Rick, Rick made me, you mess with pastor. I'll tell you what, <laughs> Rick made me a, a dagger. I mean, this is a dagger. This is what Ehud used to kill the fat man. Remember a few Sundays ago, we titled the message, Killing the Fat Man, Get Rid of the Flesh. Thank you, Rick. If there's any way you can engrave your name on there to date, it'd even make it more special and personal, okay? Give God praise for Rick giving me this big old dagger. I pity the poor devil come around me with a dagger like that. So we opened up lesson one with the downward progression of a backslidden people. And we showed you that cycle over and again that we just mentioned. But God has not given up on Israel. How many glad God's not given up on his church? The second lesson, we talked about killing the fat man, victory over the flesh. The third lesson, we opened up chapter six, building an altar. The altar is gone today. We took it down, getting ready for Easter. But we had an altar here with the cross, and we had an altar here to Baal, and we tore down. I mean, no, it's time to tear down some idols. You can't have, listen, two altars can't take up one space. You either deny one and take the other, right? Uh, You can't serve God and mammon. So we tore down the idols last week. Gideon tore down the idols, you know, of his father. It was his father. You see that song, Blessing? It's powerful. May the blessing of God go with you and your children and your children's children. May it continue to overflow the blessings of God in your family. And uh, and uh, Gideon's dad, he succumbed to the pressure of the culture and gave in to the idols of Baal and Astropole. And Gideon had to go tear it down. But he did. I mean, no, it takes bravery. So before you count Gideon out, understand he was willing to face his family. And his family might have been bigger in, uh, in his mind than it was the Midianites. Sometimes standing up against your own family is tough. But, uh, but God has a way of bringing his truth and his word to us and bringing his peace to us. And Gideon made an altar to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. And if there's anything you need, it is the peace of God. As you try to ascertain the will of God for your life, as you're looking to God for counsel, peace is a big deal. So we left off last time at the altar of peace Today's lesson, I want to encourage you to wake up your faith to the voice of the Spirit. The voice of the Spirit. He still speaks. I said he still speaks. It's not the problem with God speaking. It's the problem of us hearing. Paul says we become dull of hearing. Uh, For some reason, we're deaf to the things of the world. But C.S. Lewis, Lewis, he said that pain, (laughs) good stuff, pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world. Sometimes God will put you in a spot, <laughs> excuse me, a very uncomfortable spot to get you to listen to his voice. And when you hear it, you got to walk in it. Second Corinthians 5 says we walk by faith and not by sight. And it's vital. Faith over fear, amen? It's It's powerful. To keep going even when you're tired and weary. The whole series was uh, from 8th chapter of of Judges, verse 4. And Gideon pursued the enemy. He was tired, but he kept on pursuing. And throughout the pandemic and throughout all the things we go through, uh, crisis in our families and whatever we just went through just now, every day we face something. Every day. Everybody faces something. Sooner or later. And when you're tired and when you're weary... That's when the enemy moves in to try to discourage you and to make you quit. But how many know we are the people of God? We are God's people. So if you're able to have people of faith, we never walk by sight and uh, and let uh, sight dominate or defeat us. But we hear the promises of God and his word and realize we're hearing. Uh, we're hearing and our hearing is greater than our seeing. Our hearing is greater than our seeing. Gideon saw an army of 135,000, chapter 8 tells us how many, 135,000 Midianites plundering the people of God for seven years. Seven years. Has anybody ever been in an elongated trial? Lasted more than a day or a week or a month? You just seem like God's never going to answer this thing. You're never going to get the victory. How many know God still hears you? He hears your cry. 
And uh, so I want to look at Gideon's story today again with the idea of confirming God, confirming his promise. He confirms his promise. He confirms his word and his priorities. He confirms his priorities and his presence. So, so he does all that for Gideon. Look at verse 16. Let's check it out. Gideon, um, God's way is the highway. Can you say amen to that? I think, you know, my way or the highway, God's way is the highway. How can I know that I heard from the Lord? Verse 15, so he said to him, <coughs> excuse me, I ran in the rain yesterday at, at, um, at Evangel, running in the rain with the youth. I'll do it again next week just to support our youth. Amen. And so uh, I did have a hat. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't even be here. So he said to him, oh, my Lord. Anybody ever say, oh, my Lord? How can I save Israel? <laughs> you know, it's a joke to get in. You know, of all the people you could have chose, you chose me. I'm hiding in a wine press. <laughs> Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. What are you talking about? And the Lord said to him, now I want you to pay attention. This is a dialogue, a conversation between Gideon and the Lord. Right? Remember, they were under the tree. They're talking. The Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. And another thing he said, and you shall defeat the Midianites as if it was one man. Just you. Two things. I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites. How many know that should have been enough? Should have been enough. The Lord spoken. So verse 17, then he said to him, I want you to understand the capital, capital him, capital H. You understand? Capital L. So it's not just, remember last week we said it's not just any angel, but it's an angel of the Lord. So in the scriptures are actually highlighting and capitalizing him and Lord. And I underlined them so you can say, so he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight. I want you to circle if. If is a conditional statement. He's still kind of wondering. Can I just tell you, you don't have to wonder if God is for you. We sang it over again. He is for you. 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 You think we'd get the hint, right? Come on, Gideon. If now I've found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that uh, that is you, capital Y, who's talking to me. I love this. Anybody ever have to ask the Lord for a sign? Anybody ask the Lord, Lord, is it you who's talking to me? How many know there's a lot of voices out there? I just want to make sure it's you. So before we jump on Gideon for fleecing the Lord, we all have been there where we first of all doubted our own, um, you know, abilities, right? And then we also doubted whether it's the Lord who's speaking to us. So, so Gideon's my new BFF. 18, do not depart from here. Here's what he's saying. I'm going to make a deal with you, God. Anybody make deals with the Lord? Like a let's make a deal at Oak Grove Assembly of God. So do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to capital Y, you, and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he, capital H, said, look at this. I, capital I, will wait for you. I will wait for you. Well, to me, that's a big sign. The God of the universe is waiting for little Gideon to get a clue. The God of the universe, Yahweh, Elohim, is waiting for little old Gideon in that wine press to get a clue, a clue that it's him talking to him. It might not do nothing for you, but it did wonders to me. So Gideon went in and he prepared a young goat. Now, you won't understand this because, because we live in a microwave culture, right? We tap our foot at the microwave. Come on, come on. Drive through. Zoom. And you know what? They need to change the fast food. It's not really fast anymore, is it? It's like uh, drive slow, slow food, drive through slow. Um, all I wanted was a chicken sandwich, but you know, took forever. Seems like to me in this culture, right? So Gideon goes and prepares a young goat. What does that mean? That means a lot if you understand that culture, okay? He has to get the goat. You ever try to catch a goat? He's got to catch the goat, kill the goat, bleed the goat, Right? prep the goat make the fire cook the goat it's a long time the angel of the lord's under the tree come on gideon 
I've only got eternity. Cook the goat. And uh, he gives him specific. He takes the meat and he put it in a basket. He put a broth on it. He had to make the broth. Okay. Basically, this is goat gumbo, if you don't know. <laughs> and we talked about the expense of that offering. It was quite an offering, 45 pounds of, of um, uh, wheat. He put the broth in the pot. He brought them out under him, under the, the oak tree, terebinth tree, his oak tree, and he presented them. And the Lord, the Lord, the God, the, the theophany, or the Christophany, whichever it was, Christ in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord, or God, licked it up, took the staff and touched it. And when they touched it, the fire consumed it, came on the rock and consumed the sacrifice. It means God loves gumbo. Our God is Cajun. Hallelujah. And then he, he, makes a, he makes an altar to the Lord, calls the altar, the Lord is our peace. You know what? Two things that he said in the beginning was, I will be with you, and you will strike down Midian. That should have been enough, right? And so he, he, he tells him in advance the results. And uh, I told you, many people said, Pastor, how do I, how do I know God is speaking to me? And, um, and how can I know it's really him? And it starts, listen, it starts with this. It's never wrong to ask God to confirm his word to you. Never. It's never wrong. So God loves to confirm his word, and Scripture backs that up. Uh, Mark sixteen twenty says, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. I love that. His presence is with them, just like God told me, Gideon. And, and look at this, three words, confirming the word. Three words, confirming the word with signs following. So this is not nothing new. God does that, right? It's a scriptural thing to do. And anybody appreciate the Lord for doing that? I need sometimes to know that it's God. In fact, it's ordained in the Old Testament law. Remember Matthew 18, 16. But if he will not hear your case, if he will not hear your case, take with you one or two more people. That So here, here's the Old Testament law. We use it in the legal system for court of law, right, for witnesses. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. God wants you to know that he can confirm his word. If he asks you to do it, he can confirm it. How many has ever had a confirmation from the Lord? God has spoken to you, and, he, and you asked the Lord to confirm it. He came through. He came through many times for Melissa and I. We don't have time to tell you today. But the word established means made firm, to confirm, or to uh, with firmness, to make something firm. Look at 2 Corinthians 13, 1. This will be uh, Paul's third time. He says, it's the third time I'm coming to you. It's actually Paul's third letter, even though we call it 2 Corinthians. It's actually the third letter, uh, if you Bible scholars know that, right? And so he's saying, uh, so look at the rest. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. So God's given Gideon a little bit of time here. He's wanting to confirm to Gideon that he is... Uh, it's, it's him, first of all, and that it's, it's, uh, it's what he wants him to do. So how do we ask for confirmation? Is, is, is it okay for us to ask God to confirm what he's saying to us? So back to Judges chapter 6. Gideon asked for, um, for a fleece, and everybody's heard about Gideon's fleece. And, and if you don't know, it's a, it's a piece of wool. A fleece is a piece of wool, right, from sheepskin. Uh, and, um, and so we've given Gideon a hard time, but uh, the angel of the Lord was there. And uh, and uh, we we told you all of that. And he said we're going to. And, and Gideon said, if I if I have found favor, if did you know half of life is if <laughs> L I F E. Yeah, half of life is if always conditions. We always are asking God questions. But I just want to submit to you today. Our God is big enough to handle your question. And he's big enough to confirm if he told you to do something. So Gideon says, don't move until I get back. How awesome is God to say, okay, I'll be there. The sign to me is that God waited for Gideon. And not only another thing, I thought that it's a good chance. It's a good chance that it it shows us why God picked Gideon in the first place. Because before he ever asked for a sign, he wanted to know it was God. And he offered a presentation to the Lord. 
He came with a sacrifice. God accepted the sacrifice, licked it up, and he called this, the, the, my God is peace. That's what he called the altar. So God's willing to wait for you and me to know if it's him talking to us. God gave Gideon this sign. I'll be here. Uh, I've got all eternity for you. <laughs> and he wanted the Gideon to, to be sure, to be clear. And maybe we can't understand this, but, but that was a long time for Gideon to sit there and make all of that. And, uh, and God says, uh, it's me, Gideon. And what does Gideon do? He asks for another sign. Look at this. It doesn't get, he doesn't get angry. God doesn't get angry. He doesn't get upset. Uh, he just, he just goes with Gideon. Gideon throws out a fleece. So Gideon said to God, if, if, there it is again, somebody shout if, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look at that, I I underlined it, Gideon already knows what God has said, he's repeating it, okay, so if, Lord, you're going to do what you said you was going to do, look, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor, and if there is any dew on the fleece, only, fleece only, okay, and it is dry on the ground around, uh, so, the, so the fleece will be wet, the, all the ground will be dry. That's what he's saying. Then, if then, I shall know, shall know, that you will save Israel by my hand. As you already said. Okay, so God's not uh, there not saying something. And it was so. When? The very next morning. And he squeezed the fleece. I think I got a picture. He squeezed the fleece together and wrung the dew out in a bowl of the water. He squeezed the fleece in a bowl. So the fleece was soaking wet. The very next morning, I just want you to see that God confirms his word. And God is very patient with us as we're trying to, to ascertain what he is saying. And even if it's him, many times, especially old school legalism, you can miss God. There's the perfect will of God, and if you miss it, you're doomed. Remember how hard it was to find the will of God? Old-timers used to make it tough. It's a good chance you're probably not going to know what God's saying, but keep on trying. Good luck. It's not what I see. I see a God who cares about Gideon. He's calling Gideon. He has confidence in Gideon when we probably wouldn't, right? So if you'll say, <laughs> it's amazing to me, <laughs> Gideon is, is saying, Lord, um, if you'll do this, then uh, the bowl was full of water. God confirmed it. And, and, and isn't that, I just think that's incredible. So what does Gideon do? He asked for another fleece. Now listen, he already, Gideon already blew the trumpet. He already called. Look at all the army of, of Israel. 35,000 men show up. 35,000 men show up. He blew the trumpet. The Lord already empowered him. Verse 34, the spirit, the power of the spirit was upon Gideon. He blew the trumpet, right? He heard the voice of the Lord. He, he made an altar. He, he destroyed the, the altars of Baal, set up an altar to God, put out a fleece before the Lord, put a sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord licked it up. Okay, that's you. It's really you, God. He put out a fleece. The Lord made the whole thing soaking wet. And he ringed it out. He's ringing it out. But the men are already there. Do you see that? Somebody's got to get a clue. This is about to happen. So up until now, he, he gets confirmation about the encounter, the presence of the Lord. He tears down his father's idols, and he's empowered by the Spirit. He blows a trumpet, and there's 32,000 men. That's what's happening. So what does he do? Lord, one more time. <laughs> Don't you love Gideon? He just blesses my spirit. Am I the only one? Are y'all having struggle with this or not? One more time, Lord. This time, okay, <laughs> I think it's you. I know it's you. I, I believe it's you. I hope it's you. wonder why that is. It's because every time God asks you to do something, Satan always has something to say about it. The enemy's always there. And so <laughs> after all of this, uh, God... He fleeces the Lord again, and he says, Lord, this time let the the ground be soaking wet and let the fleece be dry. Let the fleece be dry. And the Lord, that night, the Lord honored Gideon's request. What's happening? God wants Gideon to know that it's him. You don't see God getting angry. You don't see God saying, oh, what? Now, me, by this time, I said, you know what, Gideon, thanks a lot, but I think I'll find somebody else. 
I mean, really, son, you have some serious issues. But no, no, everybody's there. <laughs> what a confirmation that God was with him. Gideon needed, uh, Gideon needed it because he, the men are already there. People are gathered with him. And so uh, the Lord is upon him. He's ready to go. And he goes there. And, um, and now we go to chapter 7. Uh, and God's, it's God's turn. I mean, no, you get your turn, and God gets his turn. <laughs> hey, listen, if you want to talk to God, sooner or later you got to stop talking and doing a little bit of listening. This is how we know the voice of God. This is how we uh, try to determine the will of God, and walk in obedience to what the Lord wants in my life, your life. So Judges chapter 7, verse 2. God says, hey, Gideon, hey, buddy. Well, you know, we just went on that one, and God did all of that. And God did so that night. It was dry on the ground, on the fleece, but the ground all around was wet. Now it's God's turn. Hey, Gideon. Hey, Gideon. You have too many men. Yeah. Now, we already did the, uh, we already did the adding up, uh, Max. The enemy has 135,000, and Gideon has 32,000. But God must have not taken algebra. I'm not, I'm, I'm not seeing the connection here, right? And so Israel might think that you have uh, defeated the Midianites with your own hand and not my hand. You have too many men. Okay, okay. Gideon's okay, God. It's your, it's your show. So it's test time. Pop quiz. Anybody ever get a pop quiz from the Lord? I love pop quizzes. I always aced them all. So tell your men, Gideon, whoever's fearful and afraid, just go home. And 22,000 men. <laughs> I love this. They, they just left. They just left and went home. 10,000 remain. Keep the math going, okay? I don't want to lose you. Can you see Gideon making this announcement? Okay, men, 32,000, the Lord is upon me. We're going to take the Midianites. If any of you have fear in your heart, just go home. So Laverne says to his neighbor, hey, you scared? (laughs) He said, yeah, I'm scared. Are you scared? He said, bye, Gideon. Praying for you, brother. They went home. That's goodbye. Weakest link. Goodbye. They left. Praying for y'all. Bless you. So Gideon has 10,000, and Gideon thinks it's okay. This is not bad. It, okay. Okay, I got 10,000. <laughs> I got 10,000 left. Let's see. Um, so what God say? Hey, Gideon, guess what? You still got too many. Look, they're going home. They're walking home. 22,000 left. Goodbye. See you. Wouldn't want to be you. Still got too many, Gideon. Whoa. <laughs> really? 135? thousand against ten thousand and that's too many you didn't even take business math lord send them down to the river <laughs> and the ones that lap like a dog okay that's what he's talking about the guy there with his water in his mouth is lapping like a dog the other guy's putting their head in the water and uh, drinking they're just so thirsty so tired you understand the battle hadn't even started they're tired already dying take him down to the river and uh and listen listen Gideon uh um the ones that lap like a dog you set them to the side and Gideon's thinking he's thinking hey that's awesome we'll get rid of the crazy ones the weird ones no dog lappers with me set the 300 dog lappers aside we've got 9,700 left we're gonna take this God said no I want the weird ones that's the ones I want. I want the weird ones. It's obvious in some churches, right? The Lord uses them. I'll take the dog lappers. Gideon's like, what? What? <laughs> God, please. Some scholars believe that because they were alert. See the guy there looking straight ahead. He's looking for the enemy. Because they were drinking like that, instead of putting their head in the sand, couldn't see the enemy coming. I like that. So maybe they pulling the strongest, right? 
A lot of scholars believe that. I like to believe that. God picks his best, right? God knows what he's doing. So whatever the case, we're down to 300 men. And guess what? Gideon needs another sign. So God says, hey, (laughs) one more word for you. You needed one more sign. I got one more word. Go down to the enemy's camp and listen. I have a word for you. How many know you better know the voice of the enemy? I don't think you hear much preaching on this. Spiritual warfare is real. And I'll just give you a little lesson right here. The difference, how do I know the difference between the voice of the enemy and the voice of the Lord? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Anytime the devil speaks, it's always artificial repetition. It's always condescending. He's always condemning. When God speaks, he's always convicting. I know there's a difference between conviction and condescension. Satan condemns, the Lord convicts, right? They both speak, but you got to know the difference, differentiate between who's speaking to you. Because Satan speaks and he lies and he twists and he distorts. We're going to talk about it in a few minutes. How do you find a confirmation when God speaks? You know, but there is a real devil who speaks and lies and twists and distorts. He messes with your head, messes with your emotions. Right? So, <laughs> Gideon, sneak down to the enemy's camp. I prepared an encouraging word for you. I just want to stop right here and say, God has prepared an encouraging word for somebody here today. And he hears your cry. I was encouraged yesterday. I got to tell you, my heart was broken. And uh, as pastors, we're vulnerable. No matter what crisis you have in your family or what loss is coming your way, you got to stand before the people of God with conviction and strength and just, you know, suck it up and do it. Uh, but can I be transparent? I'm so thankful that the Lord heard my cry. I can preach to you with peace today, knowing that the Lord has the day for my sister. But I heard her voice too. Why? Because I heard his voice. And so here it is. He goes down and gets behind the tree. If I have a picture, it might help you. Oh, look at him. He's behind a tent. Mr. Brave Warrior hiding again. There's the enemy chatting. So the Lord set this up. Does anybody believe in divine intervention? Yeah. Yeah, the Lord has always got something going on. He said, I want to show you what I'm doing behind the scenes. So here's a Midianite soldier telling the other soldier about a dream that he had the night before. He said, hey, I dreamed of a loaf of bread. Are you all ready for this? Okay, when you read your Bible, it's not always, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. I dreamed of a loaf of bread, rolled down the hill and hit my tent, knocked it over. Ooh, okay. Did you have pizza last night? <laughs> and, uh, and not only that, um, said uh, it kept rolling, knocked over all of our tents. And one of the other soldiers said, hey, I believe that's Gideon. That's kidding. Can I tell you, it's a pitiful thing when the wicked and the enemy knows better the plans of God than the righteous do. It's a bad day. But anyway, um, that's Gideon. The sword of the Lord is with Gideon. He's on Gideon's side, not our side. And we will be defeated by Israel. And God used that word to encourage Gideon. He needed all of it. Some of you might be here today and say, I don't need anything. I heard from God, not just do it. Gideon needed every bit of it and some more, right? And I think it's such an awesome story of the patience and grace of Almighty God. And what seemed impossible with man, how many know it's possible with God? So here's the lesson for you, and I'll let you go home. I know you can't believe that, but I was at Fine Arts yesterday, and students were speaking sermons in five minutes. And that's why I never did Fine Arts. Here's the lesson. Accomplishing God's purpose is not determined by the bottom line of the financial report of the church. I mean, oh, God can save by many or by few. We took this church 20 years ago. Financial report wasn't reflecting all of that. But we did what the Lord wanted us to do. How I many know oh, God can make a blessing out of something? He can take nothing and make it out of something, right? And uh, our, prayer, our, uh, our prayer meetings were our board meetings. Our board meetings were our prayer meetings. Nothing from nothing is nothing. Couldn't go backwards, just could go forward. We are, we're in a hole, but God was with us. Amen. So it seemed impossible, but in less than four years, we burned the mortgage. Somebody ought to shout to the Lord. 
because God was with us. God was with us. So the size of your church or the effectiveness of the people or the plans of the people, thank God we all need to do our best, right? But the story tells me today, I don't care how much money you got or what church you go to or what plans you might think you have. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain that build it. Unless God's with us. Moses said, God, if you don't go, I'm not stepping foot anywhere. It's kind of what Gideon was doing. So, so don't beat up on Gideon. The truth is God is looking to nobody but himself to receive glory on this earth. And yes, he uses people who are fully trusting his strength and, and will you know, charge the hill in his name if he, if he asks them to. And uh, so Gideon's not the coward we always think he is. He has some doubts and he has some questions. But don't we all? And don't we reap the benefits of a God who gets all the glory? The reason God shows out and uh, makes only 300 men instead of 35,000 is because he knows that somebody's going to say it was their effort. And God said to 300 men, you're going to know it's me. I preached one revival in my whole life. One revival. I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor. But I preached a revival. And it was at my home church. And, uh, and God really moved. I mean, it was like the ceiling had a hole cut out. And the glory of God came down and blessed the people in a powerful way. Don't have time to tell you. But here's a confirmation to little Ronnie. Gideon, so to speak. The people were talking about what happened. We opened up, it went on another week. It went on for months. But uh, we stayed another week because the Lord, how many know God can interrupt a church and the power of God can fall in a building? And so it wasn't, wasn't account of me, it was despite me. Here's how I know. After church, people started inviting people to come back to the meetings for the rest of the week. Unannounced revival. And they said, the Lord has showed up. We know for certain. Brother Ronnie was preaching. How about that for a confirmation? Yeah, it's me. It's me, boy. Nobody wrote a newspaper article about me. They said, it's got to be God. Brother Ronnie's preaching. Thank you so much, people. But here's what D.L. Moody says. Give me ten people who will fear nothing but sin and love nothing but God, and I can change the world. Give me a Gideon. It's okay if he asks for some confirmation. What is your faith process like? Do you need confirmation? Have you needed confirmation from God over a situation or something he spoke to you? Do you need to know what God's voice is or is it him? Let me give you three questions to help you and get out of here. I love it. Patient God, a gracious God. He wants to help you be ready to walk in obedience. Number one, three questions that will help you confirm your hearing, the knowing the voice of God. You ready? Number one, does God does what you're hearing line up with what God's word says about it? And not just his word. I'm going to leave it up there, Max. You can take, oh, you're taking pictures now. Look at you done got wise. Max is taking pictures of the slide because Pastor Ron moves too fast because you got to go to eat lunch somewhere probably. Turkey in the oven. I don't know which turkey it is, but it's in the oven. So, you, you know, line it up with God's word. Can somebody shout amen for that? It's got to line up with God's word and not just his word, but his character. God has a nature. God has a personality. God has a spirit. And you ought to be able to know if you read your Bible. Did you know if you just went to church faithfully, it's just equivalent to having a Bible college degree? If the pulpit's preaching the word. If the pulpit's not preaching the word, you're up a creek without a paddle. If all you're getting is a TED talk, a little speech every now and then, no, no teaching of the word, then you are really malnourished and you need to read your own Bible. But if you just were faithful to God, read your Bible, understand what's happening, line it up with the word of God. How many thinks this is good? Listen to me. Listen, Linda. <laughs> I was always teasing Rick and Linda. Listen, Linda. God's voice will never contradict or disagree with his written word. If you're searching for a word from the Lord, read your Bible. Bible engagement. Come on now. It's one of the problems with our culture today. They're biblically illiterate. They don't know. Can I tell you, if you read your Bible, there's a good chance you'll have the wisdom of God, the Word of God, the ways of God. It'll never contradict it. So if you get an emotion or a feeling or some whim off the whim, you better confirm it with the Word. This is how you'll know. And so I don't care your personal experiences. It never trumps God's Word. It never trumps God's Word. All right? Your personal experience is not equal to God's Word. God's Word is supreme. 
So make sure to check it by the word, right? And here's what people do. They want God to confirm their feelings or their whatever they hear. So they take scripture out of context to try to prove what they say or want it to say. And their feelings end up contrary to the word because of personal interpretation. So, so the word of God is not up to your personal interpretation. It is the word of God, right? And so when you're looking for confirmation from the word, you must look at the whole Bible, not just one little portion, little bread basket, you know. You pull it out of the bread basket every morning, just one scripture. I love the story. The guy pulled it out and said, uh, <laughs> and, and he, he just taken preference there. And, and Judas went and hanged himself. He didn't like that one, Max. He put it back. He picked up another one and said, go and do thou likewise. <laughs> he didn't like that one either. So he put it back. So the whole Bible needs to agree, and you can, can't play the Bible game as many people try to prove. Oh, I can prove Moses played tennis, Mark. Moses played tennis because he refused to serve in Pharaoh's courts. See how dumb that is? And I don't want to go anymore. I'm done reaching my quota. So you get it. Does the Bible confirm or does it line up with the Bible? Number two, have you considered going to godly counsel about it? Man, how I appreciate mentors. I appreciate mentors. I appreciate wise men and women of God who have something to help you with. And, and it's important that it's not, I didn't say good counsel. I said God counsel. Okay, there's a big difference, right? So there's godly people that you, that you trust that can confirm what God is speaking to you. And so I'm not saying select until you get somebody to agree with you. People do that too, right? You go to somebody and ask, hey, here's what I feel. What do you think? They say, I don't feel like that's probably good or God. And so they go to somebody else. It's kind of like when I was 40 years old, I went to the doctor for a physical. Melissa made me. And you just do whatever your wife says. So this was a jock. He was tall, six-foot doctor, six-foot tall, healthy doctor. And he, he don't know me from Adam. He, that's my first appointment. He said, well, Mr. Moran, the way I see it, I was 40 years old. Remember that, 40 Watch this, Max, 40. Well, Mr. Moran, the way I see it, you got, a, you got about 20 good years left. I got me a new doctor. See how you do that? I got a little Indian lady about this tall. She thinks I'm going to live forever. Praise God. Oh, I better quit. I better quit. It's getting ugly. It's getting ugly. So they go to somebody until they until somebody says, I think that's good, and then they love it. And that's the difference between godly counsel and good counsel. Faith over feelings, right? So godly counsel is getting with somebody who knows God. They know God. They have a deep relationship with God. They know, number two, God's word. They're not shallow. They know God's word. And thirdly, they know you. Don't go ask some stranger whether it's God's will for your life. You better find somebody that knows you that can really uh, help you discern the spirit of God and what he's saying to you. Can honestly pray with you and seek God about the situation saying maybe, hey, hey, slow down. Slow down's not a bad idea. Slow down's not a bad idea. It's a hard one for me, but I, but I know it's not a bad idea. Saying maybe. So don't just go to anyone or go to a mature, solid, mature person who genuinely cares about your future. Proverbs twelve fifteen: the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who seeks counsel is wise. Proverbs 19, 20 and 21, listen to the counsel and receive instruction, my son, that you may be wise in your latter days. I love that. So if you're wise, Melissa and I, when we were just married, 25 years old, we were at Peace Chapel on staff at the church there. And every person that came through, Brother Trask, Brother Lednecki, Brother Wood, Brother Bridges, any of the executives that came through, we'd go to lunch. Pastor, let us go to lunch with them. We'd go to lunch. We'd ask one question, the same question to every one of them. Melissa would look at the wife and say, if you and your husband could do it all over again in ministry, what would you do different? That's a loaded question. And Mark, without fail, they each one said, we would we would. Pull the throttle back on ministry and full throttle on our family so that our children can serve the Lord. I know a lot of preachers and pastors have sacrificed their own children for the work of God. I've seen it. So I took that advice and I said, I may not be much, but my babies will love Jesus. That's all I care about. 
I care about you too. Don't forget all I'm just saying. You're second place. I hate that. I hate that. But I do love you. Proverbs 24, 6. There is wisdom in a multitude of counsel. So don't just ask one person. Ask a bunch of people. Get, get it in your spirit. The word of God can confirm it. And there's godly counsel. Remember Rehoboam took over as king, his father. And he went to his father's counsel. He said, what should I do? I'm the king now. Remember that story? And uh, they said, if you will serve the people. Now, this is good advice for anybody going into ministry. If you will serve the people, they said, they will be your servants forever. That's some powerful advice. That's godly counsel. If you serve them, they will serve your vision forever. That's good for anybody. But, but it says, uh, but it says, Rehoboam didn't listen to their advice. Didn't listen to their counsel. He went to his so-called friends. And they said, this is what you tell the people. Man of God, king, you you tell them, if you think my father's hand was heavy, my little finger is heavier than his whole hand. And you know the rest of the story. That's how we got the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Israel. Split the church. If you're on a head trip, if you are in a power trip, how many know you're never going to be able to do the will of God? Not in the kingdom. And so... That's how churches are split. That's how Israel was split. And they were not united. Seek God and godly counsel. So does it line up with the Bible, the whole Bible, not just part of it? Uh, do people, godly people confirm it? And finally, so we can get out of here, do you have peace in your spirit about it? That's about as simple as it gets. I gave to you the narrative today. I told you what Gideon went going through. Oh, he fleeced the Lord. He's trying to get peace. Max, he's trying to get peace. He made an altar. The Lord is peace, and he wanted to keep that peace. And the enemy's trying to disturb your peace. The enemy's trying to stop you and hinder you from the potential of being used by God to do powerful and great things. But God wants to use you. Can somebody say amen? This is the big one. This is a big one to me. How many of you ever had prayed to God for peace about a situation? Let me see your hand again. Pray for peace. Look at it, 100%. So God created you with a spiritual gauge inside of you that determines whether you have peace or you need a fleece. Peace or fleece. There is that innate desire to please the Lord, to know that God is speaking to you, and to know that it's him. And he put a gauge inside of your spirit, man, that helps you have peace. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word rule means it's, it means umpire. It's a sports term. Paul's talking to the Colossians. It's a sports term. Let, let the peace of God uh, umpire your heart. Let it, let it call safe. Let it call out. Right? Let the peace of God determine whether. Don't let the fleeces and all. Don't, don't let everything try to distract you. It's okay to ask God. And God sometimes will honor you and patient with you. But you ought to have a peace that passes all understanding. Amen? That can guard your heart and mind by Christ Jesus. So how many knew what, uh, know what I'm talking about? How many know what I'm talking about today? Peace of God. Just a gentle, sweet peace. And... Um, so let me ask you, how many times have you sought God and didn't have peace and you went ahead and did it anyway? How many times? God, you didn't have a peace about it, but you went ahead and did it anyway. For your own comfort or for your own position or for your own power or for your own whatever, pleasure. And God wasn't nowhere in it. I'll tell you, there's some big things you got to pray about. Big ones. Who are you going to marry? That's a big one. Where are you going to pastor? You know, pastor here, pastor there, pastor everywhere. People are people. It's not where, it's how. How are you going to do? Because people are the same wherever you go. I found it's the third church we pastor. It's the same people. Same people, new face, new name, same people. So you got to figure it out. I mean, no, you got to get it between your head. The peace of God needs to protect your mind and your heart. It has to protect it. It has to guard it. That word guard is a military term, Max. It's guard. It means it means a battalion of soldiers, right? A whole battalion of soldiers are going to guard your mind. Woohoo! I got a whole army of soldiers guarding my mind and my heart. Keeping the peace. You're telling the devil, don't disturb the peace in Pastor Ron's heart. He knows he's supposed to be at Oak Grove. Ain't no devil big enough to stop me. You see that? Well, I wish I could have had an amen right there. You're getting me nervous. 
calling for a vote or something. I'm scared. I'm scared. You know, there's a lot of people so insecure and so scared about everything. They have no peace. And that means everybody else can determine what's going to happen in your life. How many know that ought not to be? You better know what you know that you know. Because every devil in hell come up against you to stop you or hinder you or slow you down from God's will for your life. So, so you need to know this. God never leads through fear, always through faith. Amen? And if you have no peace about it, get away. Get away from it. So if you have some peace, pursue. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. The word understanding means reasoning or logic. It passes all your logical reasonings, even if it don't make sense. Me, God, against 135,000? Don't make sense. Nevertheless, right? Jesus is nevertheless at Gethsemane. Thy will be done. In other words, sometimes we don't have all the details. How many wish God would give more details? Man, he's always leaving a lot out. Poor Abraham, he said, you got to pack your bags. Where are we going? I don't know. Just pack your bags. You were a nomad when I I left you. No reason getting mad now, right? (laughs) Just pack your bag. It's not not easy, especially if you got to tell mama. Mama, pack your bags. We're leaving. Where are we going, honey? I have no idea. Doesn't that feel like a strong man of God? I'm your leader. I'm your authority. Pack your bags. Where are we going? Have no idea. Well, let the kids follow you. I'm staying here, honey. In other words, the peace will guard your heart through Jesus. It's, it's serious. Your heart and your mind uh, will walk in peace. Isaiah said, he has perfect peace whose mind has stayed on the Lord. It's good stuff here. Y'all missed a good chance to say amen right there. So let me ask you as we get out of here. How many times has your mind been wrestling and you couldn't even sleep? And it's because you... We're about to do something or go somewhere and you didn't have peace. It's that built-in innate desire, right? It, it trumps education, right? Instinct trumps your education. It's spiritually built in. And if I had to take one of all three, I would want the peace of God. So if you'll just say, God, let me, let me just stop for now. His peace comes right back to you. All you have to do is say, God, I'm not moving until I have your peace about it. And how many believe God will confirm it all for you? So to line up with his word, godly people can confirm it, and you'll have a peace about it. And Gideon's fleece and God's patience, that's the name of the game here. It's God's message. Yes, Gideon, you are the man. Yes. And yes, Gideon, you will make it. Yes. I know you don't think so, but you will. It's not an accident, Gideon. I could have chose a thousand people, but I chose you. And I chose you and I called you and I will equip you. I will help you. And I don't want anybody else, Gideon. Remember, it's not always the capable he calls, but the available, the pliable, the flexible. So here's some abilities one might seem to choose uh, or, or need to choose. They don't always choose it. But here's some abilities you might need. Capability uh, is not one of them. Compatibility over capability do you know that you got to get along with people i don't care what vocation you have you got to get along with people you got to be compatible if you're always fighting with everybody you're probably not going to be used very much it's god's people and um, accountability is another one something we don't have much of today accountability and um, and how about adaptability Especially in the area of missions, if you're going to be used for God in missions, going across culturally, you better learn how to adapt. You can't take America with you. We had some friends that wanted to go to Mexico City, and they we preached at our church. It was the last church they went to before they got in the airplane and went to Mexico City. And they had a, and God bless pets. How many have pets? Lord bless all their pets. I feel like a priest. Lord bless their kitten. But uh, this young lady, she was going to Mexico. She had to take her cat, had to get a visa for her cat. If, honey, honey, listen to me. <laughs> listen, Linda. <laughs> if you had to take your kitty to Mexico City, I don't know if the call is there, okay? You got to leave America home and go where you got to go. Forget the kitty. Forget the kitty. It's more kitty litter than you need. So uh, ability without availability is liability. So place yourself on the altar. We're going to go to the altar. Chrissy, you can come back. I'm about done here with your team. Let him, let the Lord do what he wants and what he wills in your life. Don't put restrictions on the Lord. That's basically all I wanted to say today. Um,
Maybe you say, Pastor, I don't feel qualified. Well, listen, if you're unavailable, unchangeable, unwilling, you're never going to find out whether you're qualified or not. So God said he would go with us. Just go. Let God trust you with something. And uh, if you can trust God with small things, how many know he'll give you larger things? It starts small and it increases as you learn to trust the God. So, so the point is, as God speaks, He has a plan. What about you? What are you doing? What are you going to do? Um, what's God's plan for you? David planned to be a shepherd boy, but God planned for him to be a king. It's not always turned out how you want or how you think. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord orders his steps, right? He has sometimes a different plan. I thank God for his patience in helping me find the will of God and the plan of God for my life. And are you are you content to sit back while others do it all? God's got something for you to do. Every one of us, right? Are you fearful to walk in his will? He's been calling you to himself. Mary and Joseph thought they'd have a happy little family. Little did Mary know, 16-year-old Jewish girl, she'd birthed the Messiah. Are y'all hearing me? Job thought he'd have a family of wealth and blessing, cattle, sheep, and honor the Lord. Little did Job know his world was about to crash and God was going to change everything. God has a plan. Would you stand with me today? Many people are living in the waiting room, not because of God's unwillingness to promote them, but because of their unwillingness to be faithful in their current situation. If you'll be faithful in your current situation, how many know God will elevate you in his time? Accepting the process is hard. This is what we're going to do in the altar. Your blessing is already ready. How many know God's already called you? Your blessing is already ready. It's already done. God is getting you ready for the blessing, preparing you for your destiny. And as we come to the altars, I just thought this was pretty neat. It talks about giraffes and turtles. Giraffes and turtles. I don't know if y'all heard this before. They occupy the same space, but they don't share the same view. Giraffes and turtles. They occupy the same space, but they don't share the same view. The giraffe can be in the same geographical location as the turtle, but the giraffe eats from the top of the tree and the turtle moves through the grass. What ultimately happens in the lives of people is that we eat on the level of our vision. We eat on the level of our vision. We only can see, we only can see the grass. We're turtles. How did the turtle get on the top of the fence post? Somebody must have put him up there. So somebody might be trying to help you. When you're a giraffe and you get criticism from turtles, the turtles are reporting the view from the level they're on. So if you're a giraffe, don't take criticism from a turtle. Is anybody getting any of this? If you understand this, you won't be moved by what the turtle said about you. And that's the end of my sermon today. I wonder if God's speaking to anybody. I don't have to wonder. I know God's speaking to people. Chrissy, we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to go into a time.